Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second part of this weekend's Lineout podcast. Coming to you from Montreal. First up, I'd like to apologize uh, for the quality of the, this recording. I'm in a hotel in Montreal, and it does seem to be a little a bit of a background humming noise. I've tried my best to, to edit it out, but uh, unfortunately, it, uh, it's still kind of lingering a little bit in the background. Hopefully not so much that uh, it really gets in the way of, of this podcast, but uh, bear, bear with me, and uh, I apologize, but I do need to get this out today, as once I get home, there's not going to be that much time this week. So get this out, and it's I, I always like to try and strike while the, uh, while the iron is hot in terms of the action over the weekend. So following on from yesterday's podcast where we talked about the Springbok squad for the forthcoming Georgia tests and the British, Irish and British and Irish Lions series next month, in this episode we'll be talking about uh, the Australian sides in the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman competition and their exit from that competition now that's going to be an all-New Zealand final. And also, as a result of the Arrows' unfortunate loss against Austin yesterday, we'll look ahead to their final four games of the season and what they can do to try and salvage something out of it uh, in terms of uh, looking forward to next year. So without any further ado, let's get straight into Super Rugby Trans Tasman and the exit of the Australian sides. We're picking right up where we left off from the last podcast, where we said that Australian sides have no defense and or very little in the way of cohesive defense. What we saw this weekend didn't didn't really make me feel that uh, Australian sides have moved on from that or or come up with any kind of solution. And moreover, that kind of means that the Brumbies and Reds solitary win apiece really was just a flash in the pan. I think after uh, the Brumbies win over the um, over the Hurricanes last weekend, I, I I felt there was there was some pretty good grounds for optimism there. They they looked a lot better. They looked a lot better structured in terms of defense. It wasn't a high scoring game. Uh, but that was because they were effective at keeping the Canes uh, out of their own 22 and moreover out of their own half for, for good chunks of that match. They looked organized. They looked structured. They looked like they knew what they were doing. So going into this weekend against the Highlanders, you know, I, I think there was some solid grounds for, yeah, here's an Australian side who's, who's figured it out and, and moving forwards. Well, their implosion against the Highlanders, despite a credible showing, I thought, defensively in the first half, their implosion against the Highlanders in the second half and the resulting runaway score just put that one to bed pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, defense from Australian sides, where is it? Uh, it's pretty hard to see. It's interesting if you look at uh at the end of, of the Australian side's run in the competition, the numbers from last week are, are almost identical in terms of tries scored and tries let in. So with the competition from an Australian point of view now wrapped up, um, the New Zealand side scored 146 tries compared to only 71 for the Australian side's. New Zealand sides, and it's interesting when you look at the other side of the equation, those numbers are exactly the same. The New Zealand sides led in 71 tries, and the Australian sides leaked 146. 
that makes for pretty painful reading if you're if you're an Australian uh, rugby fan. Overall, the Brumbies in the force look to be the most solid defensively, having let in the least amount of tries of all the Australian teams. And in the forces, to the forces' credit, um, they're actually sitting fourth on the the table overall for the competition in terms of tackles won. So, you know, the force can actually come out of this competition feeling, well, we got we got a few things right. And if you actually look at the uh, forces run of five games in the competition, apart from their blowout loss, 43-6 to the Hurricanes, the points, they weren't conceding massive amounts of points. The scorelines were, were acceptably close uh, in all the forces games, except that one, one loss, blowout loss to the Hurricanes. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. For the Reds, the Rebels, and the Waratahs, uh, their defensive statistics make for painful reading. Um, just awful. In this last round, uh, Australian side's tackle success overall was a paltry 70%, with the Reds really taking the biscuit at 54% in, in uh, this weekend's game against the Hurricanes. That's just, at this level, unacceptable. And, you know, a statistic like that kind of makes their one solitary win against the Chiefs rather meaningless. And, you know, I said in last week's podcast, you, you only had to look at Coach Brad Thorne's face at the, at, when the, at the final whistle in that game against the Chiefs, which they won. And he, he wasn't happy. He, you know, they, they, they suffered a second-half blowout. And had that game gone on for another five, ten minutes, that would have, they would not have won that game. And when you look at their 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 tackle success statistics like that, uh, it it's not good, not good at all. I mean, even this weekend watching the Reds, you know, there was a point in the match where I'm sure you were like me and you you were left rather speechless as as I watched a group of backs trying to bring a rolling maul by the Hurricanes forwards to a stop. Now I think. In basic rugby 101, from what I can remember from my playing days and my 50 years of watching the game, uh, bringing bringing a rolling mall, uh, opposition rolling mall to a halt, is the job of the forward pack, not the backs. Anyway, not sure how that works. Maybe that's a that's a new Australian tactic. I I don't know, but I I don't think they're going to find it. It's going to be that successful for them. Where were the forwards then? I I I, I was. I, I just I couldn't really believe what I was I was watching, and I'm sure you probably felt the same. And it kind of sums it up, you know. Australian sides, you look at something like that, and you go, "What is going on defensively here?" Uh, very little, it would appear. In short, it's simply not good enough. And I, my heart really goes out to Wallaby coach Dave Rennie, and he's got two and a half, three weeks to to start welding a, a Wallaby side together that can defend against probably one of the best attacking teams on the planet right now. Um, that is France for three tests. Um, defensively, what he's got to work with really is, is only uh, the force and the Brumbies um, when it comes to any kind of defensive know-how when picking his squad for the French test series. The players from the other teams, Australian teams are going to make up the Wallaby squad, gifted on attack, uh, no question there. But they're going to need some genuine back-to-basics training to integrate them into some kind of defensive platform uh, capable of containing the attacking threat posed by by the French. He really does have his work cut out for him. And, uh, you know, he's a very, very talented coach. Um, 
you know, he look at what he did with the Wallabies last year in the rugby championship. He he shaped them up well and and made them competitive. And I'm sure he'll do the same again. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he's having a few sleepless nights right now, and certainly scratching his head at times. If we had to pick the best Australian team of the Super Rugby Trans Tasman Tournament, um, and believe me, it's it's pretty hard because there was very little overall to get excited about, then we'd have to go with, perhaps to a lot of people's surprise, the force. Kind of ironic, isn't it, when you consider that uh, the fiasco two years ago where they were, all, for all intents and purposes, booted out of Super Rugby by the Australian RFU. But uh, you look at, at the force... Uh, forces track record in this competition. Admittedly, they didn't win any of their matches. But apart from that drubbing at the hands of the Hurricanes in round three, they looked the side who put the most effort in and ran New Zealand teams closest in terms of the score lines. Um, apart from that round three match, their greatest losing margin was never more than 10 points. The other Australian teams can't say that. To be honest, they looked the most cohesive Australian side in the competition. And uh, given the short shrift they got two years ago by, by Australian rugby, there's a success story. There's something to, to feel good about. So Australia has a lot of work to do before the arrival of the French in the first test in just under a month's time. Uh, you know, like I've said before, they've, they've got some stellar players in, in attack, make no mistake, to, to match that French flair. But defensively, they are a very leaky ship right now. It's not all gloom and doom, though. As, as, like I say, there's something to work with from the Force and the Brumbies. And if you doubt it, go to the highlights of the Brumbies and Highlanders match from this last round. Um, player of note. Uh, watch If you watch the highlights of the Brumbies game against the Highlanders, uh, watch the 34th minute. Watch that Brumbies back rower Rob Valentini stop Highlanders Senator Scott Gregory dead in his tracks. Um, so, you know, if you can harness that kind of all-out physicality and defense, uh, that's you've got something to work with there. A bit more of that kind of commitment from Australian defense, and the Wallabies may have something to cheer about next month. But they've, let's face it, no, no questions asked. They've got their work cut out for them. So it'll be very interesting to see what miracles uh, Coach Rennie can, can work with his charges over the over the coming weeks. Good luck to him. Moving on to the arrows, it's let's face it, it's all about pride now and something to build on for next season after yesterday's fairly significant loss to to Austin. It's four games to go, and it's all but mathematically impossible for the arrows to make the playoffs, especially given the caliber of some of their remaining opposition, such as Rugby United New York. The fact that uh, the Arrows are going to lose a significant uh, proportion of their squad uh, in the next uh, week or two as uh, those players uh, get ready for international duty with Canada and their tour to the UK, playing England and Wales next month. So, yeah, they're up against it for the, the remaining four games. Um, yesterday's game against Austin was not pretty viewing. It, 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 it was a pretty, from a Toronto's perspective, it was a pretty ugly, ugly match and, and not much to get, get excited about. Defensively, the arrows were poor. 
probably best illustrated by um, watching a prop, Austin's Larome White, of all people, run in a try and opposed over a distance of 70 meters. The props are not supposed to do that. Uh, and no, no disrespect to Larome White. I mean, wow, for a prop, that guy's a real athlete. But uh, you're not supposed to see that. You're not supposed to see props running unopposed for 70 meters on a rugby pitch. That's just not how the game is supposed to work. The execution just simply wasn't there for far too much of the game. The passing was, I thought, was speculative for much of it. They simply couldn't hang on to the ball for the love of money. Um, and instead of doing the basics well, they tried to be far too clever, and it backfired on them continuously. Not helped by the fact that they were out without the services of, of Manuel Montero on the wing. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they didn't have him. Um, I, I don't know the reasons behind that. Um, is he is he on his way back to Argentina for international duty or something or, or injury? It wasn't made clear in the broadcast, and I can't seem to find anything on, on the internet to explain his, his absence. But boy, they needed him yesterday, and they didn't have him, and it showed. Uh, they, they paid for that. The conditions down there weren't great either. It was, it was from, from what I could gather, it was pretty hot and uncomfortable. Uh, playing rugby in those conditions. I've got to admit, uh, I guess maybe it's an American thing, but as a rugby player, I would have found playing on that pitch very distracting. I mean, the, the music was going on all the time um, and loud. And, you know, occasionally they turn it down sort of after about 30 seconds after after play it resume but that would have been very distracting and you're hot you're tired you got that to contend with it wasn't even good music for most of the time and which is a shame because austin is, is renowned for good music so i don't think that helped either but uh yeah and, and i hope that that's not going to be a, a trend in mlr rugby um but we'll see maybe it's just an austin thing i, I don't know but yeah, the arrows, they looked tired, they looked frustrated. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think there was any moment in in that game where they actually looked like they were enjoying themselves. Um, you know, I think they, it hasn't been a great season for them. They've, they're getting towards the end of it. Uh, they're my, for quite a few of the players, their minds are probably starting to focus on the, on the tour to the UK for Canada. It just didn't click yesterday at all by any stretch of the imagination. They looked disjointed, fractured, tired, frustrated, you name it. It, it just wasn't it wasn't pretty viewing if uh, you were either a player, a supporter, or a fan. Like I say, the focus for a lot of the players is, is going to start to shift after next week to uh, Canada's two-test tour of the UK next month. And after next weekend, the Arrows are going to be without the services of up to 13 members of their squad. Um, including a sizable portion of the team's core, especially in the forwards, as they prepare themselves for international duty in the national jersey. Um, admittedly, American teams will have the same dilemma. Uh, they're also um, on tour next month. But in the case of the American teams, the player drain is spread over a greater number of teams, so it's, it's easier to bear. In short, it's only going to get harder for the Arrows for the rest of the season, and your heart really has to go out to them. So you've got four games left. What do they need to focus on to, to, to salvage something out of what's been, let's face it, a, a very difficult and very challenging season? 
So get some solid wins. You don't have to win all of those four games, but, but at least win a couple of them. Focus on getting the basics right. Don't get white line fever when, when you're within five meters of the try line and you, you tend to see this great bunching up of, of arrows players and they all get this tunnel vision. The ball goes astray or it, it pops out and gets knocked on and then, then it, the opposition gets the ball back and before you know it, they're right back, back at halfways having to start all over again. Don't go chasing the points or chucking the ball around on 50-50 passes, which is a lot of what we saw yesterday. Make your defense one of the best in the league for these remaining four games. You know it's in them. We've seen we've seen that Toronto can be very solid defensively, especially in the midfield. Make your possession and territory count by turning it into points. You know, their their stats in every game in terms of possession and territory are are impressive. They're commendable. They're just not turning it into points. Um you know, a lot of the time they're they're just chucking the ball around way too much. They're not they're not they don't seem willing to go to ground. Let your forwards get in there, do some grunt work, get your momentum back. Instead, they're just they're just getting carried away. They're 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 chancing a pass that simply isn't on, and then they've got to cut that out for the, the remaining four games. You know, remember in, in rugby, one of your key key criteria, ball security, is paramount. And it's paramount over creativity in many ways. If you can't hang on to the ball, if you can't secure that that ball, then never mind about trying to be creative because um, it isn't going to work for you. Keep your discipline. Uh, discipline is slipping too much. Um, that's mainly, I think, because of frustration, possibly fatigue, uh, you know, that whole motivational thing with, you know, having been on the road for a long time, away from home, away from friends and family. But, but keep the focus, and with it will come the discipline. I say get all the, the Arrows players, um, especially those who are going to see out the end, the end of the season and not be on the, the Canadian tour to the UK. Watch that game they played against Rugby United New York earlier in the season over and over. That was their best team performance of this season, and it was a, it was a team performance for a full 80 minutes. Uh, it was rock solid. Uh, there was little, if anything, you could fault in that game. It was, it was like Toronto of 2019, uh, the Arrows of 2019. It was good. It was a, it was a joy to watch. So you know, play that one over and over again, and, and highlight what you did well. Uh, and you did many things well in that game. And just try and play like that for the last four games. And uh, you do that. And, and, you know, the rest of the teams in the MLR will know that although it hasn't been your year this year, they'll know that you'll be a force to reckon with come next season. So in short, despite the results so far, this is still a season that Toronto can salvage something out of with their heads held high. I still hold they're a good and talented team that has at times this season played some outstanding rugby. All they have to do for these final four rounds is develop the consistency that has let them down all too often this year. All the pieces and the players are there to make it happen. They know what they need to do and they're capable of doing it. It's not like, you know, they, they're sitting there saying, I don't know what we're doing wrong, or I don't know how we fix this, or I, I don't know how we play that kind of game that gets us those results. They know how to do that. They've, they've shown it and they've proven it. They know they're a better team than the results indicate, and they simply have to put that frustration behind them and finish strong and create the platform they need for next year. 
being able to play half their games at home next year, uh, a strong squad, and essentially return to business as usual, leaves me with little little doubt that their year in exile, as difficult as it has been, will end up being time well spent if they can make a real statement of intent in these final rounds. Um, you know, out of uh, adversity comes strength, and I think that is what what the arrows need to look at this year is all about the 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 bonding that the team will have been through this year. Um, and having to to operate in very adverse conditions can only be a source of strength for them next year. So let's all get behind them and give them the support they so thoroughly deserve. So I'll wrap it up there for uh, this week's editions. Hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, like I say, please let me let me know if there's anything you'd like to 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 see or like us to, to talk about or something that you you'd like us to cover. Uh, lots to look forward to coming up. Uh, we're getting close to the, the July test window. Uh, the Lions series, uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to get to watch that in Canada. But uh, as soon as we know, we'll, we'll let you know. But yeah, lots to look forward to, lots to talk about. So thanks again for listening. Uh, take care, everyone. Stay safe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers for now. <laughs>